0: I'd like to turn with me to the book of James, chapter two. I'd like to read the remainder of the chapter, beginning with verse fourteen. So James, chapter two, verse fourteen. James writes and he says, What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he have faith and have not works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, and notwithstanding ye give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yea man may say thou hast faith, and I have works, show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar seeest thou how faith wrought with his works and by works was faith made perfect and the scripture was fulfilled which saith abraham believed god and it was imputed unto him for righteousness that he was called the friend of god ye see then how that by works a man is justified and not by faith only Likewise also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. As we have been going through the book of James... There are certainly some very obvious observations that uh, we can make, and as I just read and reread this it um, it's really interesting how James, as he does a number of times throughout this letter, he sets forth a a very a hypothetical and yet a very realistic scenario for these believers to, to consider. And he, he frequently uses in our, in our text here, the word if, another translation said suppose. And he does it in a way that we would almost, um, can, can actually see that, that even though this is a hypothetical situation, that he is, uh, and yet very realistic, that he may, in fact, be referring to something that was going on and that these believers actually may have well been able to identify, perhaps in themselves or in those around them, that what he is talking about in these different scenarios um, was actually something real. And he is addressing real issues as he goes through his letter. And we learned how that he seems to make a point and then reinforce it uh, further on in the book of James. We learned that about wisdom, about prayer, and, and more recently about partiality. And in this text that very much talks about faith, what we believe, and actions, what we do, he is really tying that also to the part of chapter one when he talked very much about not simply being a hearer of the word, but a doer also, and how important it was for for those two um, those two things to come together. And certainly in this chapter when he talks about faith and works, he is really talking about the importance of them coming together. And we see how he is really drawing time and time again on the teachings of Jesus, especially what he taught on the Sermon of the Mount. And we're reminded of, of that that, that ties so closely with this chapter is, uh, with these verses as well and what he is teaching when Jesus said in, in Matthew chapter seven, and everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. And he compared that to those that hear these sayings of mine and do them, and they are like a wise man. And really, if we, and we've we've mentioned that already, the overarching theme of the book of James is really one of genuine or authentic Christianity. Not that which may be superficial or, or on the level or by name or, uh, on the surface rather, or by name only, but what is genuine and what is real. And 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 in life we we see um, that that is true in our everyday life. Some two years ago, my brother passed away, and among his possessions, um, Joanne and I. Um, asked for and received a coffee table that he was, that that he had. And when I did a little research to see what it's worth, I found out that this coffee table you can buy for $400 um, as a knockoff, as something that looks exactly like the original, but is not. His had underneath it a little metal plate that identified the designer, and it was worth uh, five times that amount of money. Because it's genuine, it's real. And there's a difference between uh, a faith that is a, simply a profession but is lacking in substance because it is not genuine and it's not authentic. And, and really James throughout this chapter is addressing that very important aspect of what is genuine and what is authentic. What is, as we learned at the end of chapter 1, pure religion and undefiled before God the Father. Because that's what really counts and that's what really matters in the end. And certainly is very true in the verses that, that we have read together here. And as we look at this text and as is so very true about whenever we come to God's word. That it needs to be considered and also interpreted in the light of all of scripture. Because here, like in other parts of the scripture, we could take one verse or a part of a verse and and um, create a, a teaching that is not according to all of scripture. And I'm thinking in particular here in verse um, 24 when it says, Ye see then how that by works a man is justified and not by faith only. And that verse, standing alone, uh, seems to contradict another scripture that is very clear and the overall teaching of scripture when it talks about um, faith and righteousness and being justified. Because in in Ephesians chapter 2, it says, By grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Is James contradicting the Apostle Paul when he writes to the Ephesians? No, not at all. And it's important that when we think about what James is writing, that we understand the difference between the justification that Paul writes about, especially in Romans, where in chapter 5, verse 1, it says, "...therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God." Being justified by our faith and our faith alone, we come into a right relationship with God. When we accept the atoning work and believe the atoning work that Jesus accomplished on the cross for us. And, and in that sense, in regards to salvation... There is no work or amount of works that we can do to earn our salvation, to come into that right relationship with God. It is by faith in what Jesus has done alone. And yet we know that even in conversion, there is um, what the Bible talks about, fruit of repentance, and in a sense, works that that are... Um, generated in one who truly believes that give evidence that that saving faith is real and give evidence that we are converting, that we are changing, and that we have converted. And really, in one sense, it's a faith that saves us from our sin and in another sense, it's a faith that reveals that we have actually been saved from our sin. And there is a difference in both of those justifications and being justified and also in that faith. It is so important for us to understand that distinction. But James is really, um, he sets a scenario here. He gives us a situation that he, he lays out and he asks some very important questions. What does it profit? In other words, what does it benefit for someone to say they have faith but don't have the works to back that up? That don't give evidence to the faith that they are professing. And then he gives this example. And it's interesting that that he does this um, speaking of fellow believers, brethren. He says if a brother or sister is in this very destitute situation of, of not having sufficient clothing or uh, daily food or, or sustenance, um, uh, whatever it is. If one of you says to them, depart in peace and be warmed and filled, notwithstanding you give them not those things which are needful to the body, what does it profit? What does it benefit? What good is it? What good is that faith that says, I believe, but then can simply Walk by or ignore the need, especially of one that is our brother or our sister in the Lord. And in some of the following verses, then he, he goes on to say, Thou believest that there is one God. And this is clearly a reference to what have been, what of what would have been mostly Jewish believers. For the very fundamental cornerstone of their faith, their belief as Jews, was what is found in Deuteronomy chapter six, verse four. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. That was something that they they needed to and did believe, and it was foundational to to their faith. And he really is referencing that Thou believest that there is one God, and thou doest well. Yes, that is important. But then he takes it a step further and says, well, even the devils believe. And they even tremble. It's almost as if to say that that they are uh, really taking this seriously, even though they are unbelieving in what Jesus has done and what God is offering But really when he says this to these believers and says, you believe this, this very important truth from the scriptures. He is really saying to them that that belief, that bit of theology or doctrine is not enough. And we can really extrapolate that even into our time and say that, well, church membership in itself is, is not enough. The fact that we were once baptized, that in itself is not enough. The fact that we come to church and even do that regularly is not enough. Those things in and of themselves, while they are important and while they are good, are not sufficient to prove that our faith is genuine and that it is authentic, that it is real. And Talking but not doing is really, what we can see throughout Scripture, hypocrisy. It's being hypocritical. And there are numerous, and and we could probably find many examples in Scripture, of God, through his word, calling this out. Jesus, in his teaching, calling this out. Saying one thing, doing another, or not doing what we should be doing. Saying we believe, but not having our beliefs or the faith that we profess really being, um, backed up. And an obvious one we can find in, in Isaiah, and this is an example from the Old Testament, where Isaiah calls out the believers of his day in the practice of religion that they had, and especially in the area of fasting. When he says to them, um, Wherefore have ye fasted, say they, and thou seest not wherefore have we afflicted our soul, and thou takest no knowledge? behold in the day of your fast ye find pleasure and then he goes on to to say that um, that uh, yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways, and as a nation that did. Righteousness and forsook not the ordinance of their God. They ask of me the ordinances of justice and they take delight in approaching God. All of these forms of religion and physical fasting. But then they neglected the very important things that he later on in this chapter calls them out. And he says, and is not this the fast that I have chosen? To loose the bands of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens and to let the oppressed go free. Is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry, and that thou bring the poor that are cast out to thy house, when thou seest the naked, and thou cover him, and that thou hide not thyself from thine own flesh? And and here, in all of their religiosity, and all of their religion, and, and, and keeping the law, and even the fasting, and the ordinances, they were neglecting the very thing that was most important to the heart of God. And as we look through scripture, even as we found in James chapter 1, when he says, pure religion and undefiled before God is this, to visit the widows, um, the fatherless and widows in their affliction, to keep oneself unspotted from the world. The heart of God is searching and seeking out for those that are marginalized, those that are being neglected, and his heart goes out to them, and he wants our hearts to go out to them as well. Think about the the um, parable that Jesus gave about the Good Samaritan. And um, without going into great details, we know that the Levite, the priest, they walked by this man that was laying half dead at the side of the road um, in great need of, of attention. If anyone should have been there to help them, it should have been them. They were the religious leaders. They were the ones that were to keep the law, and yet they... They walked by. They didn't want to be defiled by this Samaritan, and um, um, actually, the one—and it was sorry, not the Samaritan—the one that had been overtaken by the thieves. But it was the Samaritan that was there then to help him and to do the very thing that God wanted then. The Levite and the and the, uh, uh, the Levite and the priest to do. And another example of of one that is in need, and instead of simply walking by and ignoring the need, being there to fulfill that need. Three times in this text, um, in this portion of scripture, James um, says these words, faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead. In verses 17, 20, and 26, he drives this point home. And obviously, he was making a point to these believers, even as he is trying to make a point to us today. How real, how genuine is our faith? And how does it measure up in the daily course of life, in the actions that we have in our lives? And James here further illustrates the point that he is trying to make about faith without works uh, being dead by drawing on two examples from Scripture. And he couldn't have drawn on two more extreme examples. Both of them are mentioned in uh, Hebrews chapter 11 in that what is sometimes referred to as a roll call of the heroes of faith. On one hand, we have Abraham, who is identified here as the friend of God, and also in other scriptures, as the father of faith. And on the other hand, the extreme opposite, Rahab, a prostitute. But in these two examples, he is illustrating for us the importance that even these that were righteous in the Old Testament were so. Because they demonstrated the faith that they professed and had through the actions of through the works that they did. And we know that Abraham's life, even though at times was spotted with things that demonstrated a lack of faith, yet had demonstrated great faith. When he left at God's calling, Mesopotamia, and traveled to this promised land, when he um, acted out in faith the faith. Uh, choosing the the shorter end of the stick in that uh, argument that was going on between his servants and Lot's servants. And then also when he went out to rescue Lot, uh, in faith Abraham acted. But his greatest act of faith was when God asked him to um, sacrifice his son Isaac, the promised son, to sacrifice him, that he was willing to do it. And Paul identifies, I believe it's in, in Romans for us, that that Abraham did that believing, having the faith that God could raise him from the dead. That if he really went through with this and offered Isaac, um, as God had asked him to do, that God could raise him from the dead. But it was his actions, it was the work that he was doing, and not just what he believed, but his actions that gave evidence that his faith was real and this is why the scriptures can can identify even as it does says here as well and in in the old testament and in paul's writing that that uh, abraham believed god and it was counted it was reckoned or here it says it was imputed unto him for righteousness the faith that he had but it was a faith that was demonstrated by by actions and by works that he accomplished and, and and rahab in a similar way she had heard the bible teaches us of the great works that had had happened with the children of israel and she believed those things and she obviously was fearful for her life but she was willing to put her Faith and confidence in these spies and the God that they believed in, not only to save herself, but, but her family as well. And that too demonstrated that the faith that she professed was something that was real because of the actions that she took here of not only receiving these messengers, but also helping them then to escape. And, and all of those are so, um, Vivid examples from from the Old Testament. James goes on to say that for um, faith without works is dead. And that he says, for as the body without the spirit is dead. He gives, again, another illustration. And all of us know that without the breath of life, these bodies would be dead. If if we were simply brain dead and on a respirator uh, that was breathing for us, or a, a breathing machine that was breathing for us, but there was no more brain activity, and and if they unplugged that, our life would end. It, it's so true that this body, without the breath of life that God gives, is indeed dead. And James gives that very real example for us, that just like the body without um, without the spirit, without the breath of life, is dead. So a faith that is not giving evidence through works is also dead. So once again, good works, not simply works, but good works as ordained by God and expected in his word, they are really the mark of authenticity. They are the, the mark of a genuine faith that we need to have. The Bible teaches us that, that if we know to do good and that we don't do it, that is sin. And this is, in essence, the sin that was being committed in this hypothetical and yet very realistic situation and perhaps has been repeated many times over and over again. And I'm certain in my life and, and probably in your life as well where we have done something similar to this. When, when we in our hearts know that we should do something good but, but fail to do it. Maybe we're too busy. Maybe we're, we're hoping or thinking that someone else will. Maybe we're, we're judging the person that, that really needs the help. And and I've done that. And it's so easy in our in our time to be distracted sometimes by by the knowledge that yes, there are people that that take advantage of other people. That are there are people that that portray themselves as, as homeless and as poverty stricken and in great and dire need, and at the same time um, have more than enough and 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 make a good living at at, at being a beggar. And, and while that may be true for some, it certainly is not true for all and probably not true for for many. But we can find ourselves in a place where we somehow justify our lack of doing a good work and doing a work that God would want us to do simply um, for that reason. And sometimes we can become even worse than simply walking by like the the priest and the Levite did and, and not doing or saying anything and going as far as, as the, the ones that are identified here where it says they saw the need, um, but they actually, you know, were so, was it, arrogant or, or indifferent, um, or, or even a little bit crass to say, be warmed and filled. It's almost like walking by, uh, you know, someone that is in obvious need, um, Tattered clothes and, and, and clearly emaci- em, emaciated and, and hungry and, and then saying to them, oh, have a nice day. I, I, I hope you find something to eat. I hope someone gives you something. How wrong that is and, and how that hurts the heart of God. You know, the Bible says to us um, as believers that we should be, that we should always be ready um, to give a, um, a, a reason of the hope that is within us. In other words, we should be prepared if somebody asks us, What do you believe? Or, or Why do you believe? to give them an answer. But, beloved, in the same way, we should be ready to act when there is that need. And many times in the busyness of our day to day life, we're, we're too busy to do that and we walk by those obvious needs. And, and, and and aren't prepared, and, and and we can prepare ourselves. We can be intentional in our lives, and 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 perhaps sometimes not filling our lives uh, to that extent um, that we would um, be too busy to help somebody, and 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 because we have uh, places to go or things to do, we can easily uh, be like those that profess a faith, but when we have opportunity to do good. And an opportunity when we should do something, we find an excuse or a reason not to do that. And we justify ourselves f- f- for whatever reason in not doing that. We can prepare ourselves for that. And, and, you know, sometimes we think, well, we don't want to give them money. They'll just spend it on something that we would disapprove of. But we could be intentional. And I th- thought of this and, 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 um, done it very rarely. But, you know, when you meet that person, um, uh, you know, you see them even in town here. They're sitting on the corner. Um, sure, we can say, well, somebody else will or, or they probably get more than they need. And and if we don't want to give them money but maybe be prepared, uh, you know, to have something in, in our car that we could pass on to them. And that's just a small and, and little example. But, you know, the Bible says um, in Galatians that we should do good to all men. So that includes everybody but especially those of the household of faith and and as James is writing here he is writing this he says if if a brother or suppose a brother or a sister um, be naked and destitute of daily food so he's clearly identifying that we would look for the needs within the household of faith within the fellowship of believers and you know many times we can find ourselves saying to to someone that we know has needs, maybe is struggling, um, whether it's in their family situation or, or just raising their family, their children, and, and you know, we can easily say, let me know if you need some help. Give me a call if there's something I can do for you. And... In a sense, that sometimes can be like a cop-out, because most of us know, and most of us are that way, that, that we hesitate to ask for help. We hesitate to, to, to call somebody up and say, can you really do this or that for me? And yet the needs are there, the needs are there even among us, um, maybe not to the same degree as we read here, but nevertheless needs. And perhaps we could do so much more by not simply saying, if you need something, let me know how I can help you. But by actually doing it. Making that meal or making that call and just acting and doing it and doing these, these deeds of kindness, these works that give evidence that we indeed have this genuine and this true faith that will justify us. In other words, give evidence to the fact that the faith that we profess is real. And in closing, I just want to um, just read once again just a short portion of the quote from Menno Simon when he talks about true evangelical faith. But I want to also challenge you in in your life, as I need to in my life. Think back over the last few days, um, what evidence was there in your life of true, genuine, Christian faith? If, If a charge was made against you of being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Would there be enough evidence to say, yes, you are guilty of being a Christian? Because the evidence bears it out. And certainly it needs to bear itself out in those things that are close to the heart of God. And so let's challenge ourselves and and ask really in, in the past days, in the past week, what evidence was there? In the days of head, ahead, look for those opportunities that will demonstrate that you truly have a genuine and a real faith. Menno Simon said this, True evangelical faith clothes the naked, feeds the hungry, it shelters the destitute. Let me repeat that one more time. True evangelical faith clothes the naked, feeds the hungry, it shelters the destitute."